Hello and welcome back to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P.H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 25. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. 2 Samuel 12.13 On their return from the court of the women to see the baby, David and Benaiah prepared to review some plans for the temple and hear updates on the accumulation of supplies. But then a servant announced that the prophet Nathan had arrived. Benaiah knew David respected Nathan and hoped that he would make a positive pronouncement that would lift David's spirits. In spite of his joy at the birth of their son, David had been out of sorts. He didn't show the same enthusiasm when he went to the house of the Lord. He hadn't written any psalms in months, and he barely picked up his instruments anymore. Was he becoming as melancholy as his predecessor, Saul? Back then it was David who would be called upon whenever Saul was plagued by a distressing spirit. He would play the harp before the king and the distressing spirit would leave him. But who would comfort David? Nathan offered no greeting, nor did he bow before the king. His brow was furrowed, as if he had a heavy burden on his mind. What's wrong, friend? David asked. Nathan approached David. After seeing the look on his face, David shooed away the servants entering with arms laden with scrolls. We'll deal with that later. They turned on their heel and departed. Sire, something has happened in your kingdom that I feel I must report in order to get the king's desire on how it should be resolved. Shemaiah the scribe, Jehoshaphat the recorder, Ahithophel, David's chief counselor, and some of the other counselors and advisors remained in the common room. Perhaps they could help the king with whatever judgment he would make. Nathan's presence in this setting was indeed strange. Prophets didn't usually have dilemmas. Benaiah assumed they took any concern straight to God and he would advise them. What could David possibly help him with? Benaiah was curious. So apparently was David, who motioned for Nathan to speak. Nathan began his report of the situation that had him so distressed. In a city there were two men who had neighbors, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, whereas the poor man had only one little ewe lamb. He treated it kindly, allowing his children to play with it as a pet. He even kept it in his home and fed it and treated it like one of his children. David listened intently. Benaiah imagined that since David had been a shepherd in his youth, he could relate to the tenderness shown to such a helpless animal. Benaiah had no such understanding. Then a traveler came to the rich man's home, but instead of feeding the man from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's only lamb and slaughtered it for his guest. David leaped out from his throne. I swear that the man who has done this is worthy of death. Then he added a further punishment of restitution, and he must restore four times as many lambs to the poor man because he did such a thing and showed no pity. With a steady finger, Nathan pointed at him. You are that rich man. Benaiah's heart almost stopped. This was a judgment on David for his adultery. The lamb is Bathsheba. David's mouth fell open and he stumbled back into his throne. Benaiah half expected Nathan to wheel around and point at him too. He felt guilty for his complicity in the sinful act. He should have spoken up, king or no king. And he'd kept silent all these months, playing along, as if Bathsheba and David had only fallen in love after Uriah's death. Nathan came closer to the king, emboldened in his pronouncement. This is what the God of Israel says to you. 
I chose you to be king over Israel and kept you safe from Saul time and again. I gave you the house of Saul and put you over Israel and Judah. And if that wasn't enough, I would have given you even more. Benaiah's knees weakened. Although the admonishment was meant for David, it could have been for him as well. He too had been blessed beyond measure. He saw their miraculous deliverance from Saul's hand time and again in the wilderness. When David and Abishai went into the midst of the camp, when three of his mighty men broke through enemy lines to get David a drink, when their families were captured by the Amalekites, yet he had treated the blessing of God as if it were a trifle by being an accessory in David's crime and then by not exposing it or challenging David himself. The prophet's voice softened when he saw David's grief. Why did you disobey God and do such a horrible thing? Benaiah knew this was about the adultery. He had always known that God could see all of his creatures' thoughts and actions. He knew that no one really could hide anything from him. David himself had written a psalm that said, The Lord is sitting in his sacred temple on his throne in heaven. He knows everything we do because he sees it all. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet even he was being judged for his sin. You have taken Uriah the Hittite's wife. At this, Ahithophel, Bathsheba's grandfather, and David's chief counselor, grasped behind him for a chair and sank into it, mouth hanging open, head slowly shaking from side to side in disbelief. Benaiah could only imagine the betrayal he felt. But it was out in the open now. As horrible as this moment was, Benaiah also felt a great sense of relief. It wasn't his burden to carry alone any more. And you've murdered Uriah by having the Ammonites kill him so you could take his wife. A collective gasp rose from those in the common room. Shemaiah the scribe stopped writing and looked up, no doubt wondering if he should continue. David buried his face in his hands. Benaiah had figured out Bathsheba was pregnant with David's child when they married and that the reason he sent for Uriah was to cover up the pregnancy by making him think the child was his. But what he hadn't imagined was that since Uriah didn't do as David expected, he went to the next step and put him in mortal danger. He committed the sin of murder, even murder by proxy, in order to conceal his sin of adultery. So Uriah's death was not a normal consequence of war. He was killed by the enemies of Israel at King David's order. Benaiah both could and couldn't believe it. David was desperate. He was mad with desire for Bathsheba and obviously intended to have her one way or another. He thought it would not be unheard of for a soldier to die in battle and then his widow would be free to marry him. But what of the other nine soldiers who died that day? Like his best friend, Mikhail, peripheral damage, killed for nothing? Now, the Lord says, because you wouldn't obey me and took Uriah's wife for yourself, your family will never live in peace. I'll bring trouble against you from someone in your own family, and I'll take your wives and give them to another man before your very eyes. He'll sleep with them in the open. Your sin was done in secret, but the punishment will be out in public for everyone in Israel to see. Such a punishment, but it was a mercy that David wasn't sentenced to death as the law required. David slowly raised his head. He looked at Nathan with tears in his eyes. He threw back his head in anguish and admitted, My sin is against the Lord. Benaiah breathed a sigh of relief. 
He was so glad David didn't try to justify himself or make excuses. Benaiah looked over at the advisers. Ahithophel's expression had changed from shock to anger to disgust. Nathan nodded slowly. The Lord will forgive you, even for this sin. You will not die. Benaiah had feared the coming punishment. According to the law, anyone guilty of either adultery or murder was to be put to death. Other sins could be forgiven if the proper sacrifice was provided, but there was no prescribed sacrifice for either of those heinous acts. David had broken four of the commandments, coveting, adultery, lying, and murder. How could God forgive him? And yet, he had. Nathan confirmed it. Nevertheless, the prophet began, Oh no, what more? What would the consequences be for David and for his family? Since your actions have given the enemies of God opportunity to honor him less and even to malign him, your new baby son will die. David doubled over as if physically struck. The child Bathsheba just delivered would die? How would she bear it? Benaiah couldn't imagine. He and Moriah had never lost a child in infancy, although it happened frequently in some places. Having completed his pronouncement, Nathan turned and left the room. As he walked, Benaiah noticed he stood less erect, almost as if delivering the news had emptied him. Benaiah admired him. It couldn't have been easy to confront a powerful king. Had he been able to sleep since God gave him the message? And yet, by using a parable, it had disarmed David. He didn't know until it was too late that a dagger was at his own throat. Leave me, David shouted. The servants quickly cleared the room, no doubt to spread word of the scandalous behavior of their king and the prophet's pronouncement of judgment. Ahithophel narrowed his eyes at David accusingly, then left the room. As Benaiah turned to leave, assuming the king wanted complete privacy, David whispered, Not you, Benaiah. Please stay. Keep listening for chapter 26.